And now, Father, I pray, pour out your spirit upon us. May your word be spoken and your word alone received. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever had one of those moments that changed your life forever? You know, even in that moment, you knew uh, that it, everything was changed, nothing was going to be the same. Not a, not a game changer, but a life changer. I've had several. There was the draft lottery, lottery in 1969, where my birthday was drawn out as number 30 in the draft lottery, which meant I was going to be drafted after college and uh, probably go to Vietnam, and I was drafted. It did change my life. I was not stationed in Vietnam, thankfully. The next one for me was March 6, 1970, where after six months of getting to know Rebecca McCullough as a friend, we went on a date and we decided that we were in love with each other and should get married. And uh, that changed my life forever. 51 years later, I, found, I had found the love of my life. Uh, another one was Sunday night in March in, in uh, early 1982. I was on my knees and praying that uh, Truro Episcopal Church in Fairfax, Virginia, for the uh, giving my life to the Lord and asking for an infilling of the Holy Spirit, and I got up knowing that my life had changed forever. I knew, I, for one thing, I wasn't going to be a lawyer the rest of my life, and here I am. More recently was in February of 2018. I was doing a pre-marriage uh, counseling session with a couple after church, and I got a phone call from my daughter. I wouldn't normally answer it during um, a meeting with people, but this was so odd that she'd call at that time of the morning, and I listened to her explain that our grandson, Nicholas, had had a massive brain injury the night before, and that he was on a ventilator, and she didn't know if he would come out of his coma, and could we come to Portland right away? We did, of course, go to Portland, and we spent seven months out there and it's an event that changed our lives as a family. Nick survived, but with serious damage, and uh, our lives have never been the same. Maybe you've had a moment like that. They can be good moments, and they can be not so good, uh, but life is that way, is it not? It's, it goes along kind of evenly, and then it gets punctuated, if you will, with these life-changing events. Maybe you've experienced that as well, where you know in a heartbeat that it's not ever going to be the same. Well, uh, Moses uh, had one of those mount, uh, experiences on the mountaintop, and that's our passage from Exodus today. He'd had a few encounters with God along the way. They did change his life somewhat. But here, God invites Moses into God's very presence on the mountain, and this is different. God comes close to Moses probably as close as anybody ever got to the Lord God. He's in a cloud, I think, personally, probably to mask God's glory so that Moses isn't burned up, because down from down below, they looked up and looked like the mountaintop was on fire. Moses is in the midst of that, and he's in a cloud, and the Lord speaks to him, and he's there for 40 days. And when he came down, his face was aglow. You might remember for weeks, maybe months, from being that close to God's glory. It was a big transformational change for Moses, but bigger than that, it was a transformational change really for the whole human race. 
because God gave Moses the law, a revelation of God's nature, of his holiness, of his character, his rules for human flourishing, a manual for life on planet Earth and beyond. And nothing would ever be the same, not for Moses and not for Israel, and frankly, not for the whole human race. God had given the law, the revelation of himself, and telling us through that how to live, how to flourish, what a relationship with him should look like, how he loves us, how he calls us to live, to love one another, and to thrive under his rule and reign. Life on earth was transformed. You don't believe me, perhaps, you're looking skeptical, but think about it. Uh, I did study law, after all. And where do we get our notions of law in this country, of right and wrong? Where do we get the idea, for example, that manslaughter is different than murder? Where do we get the laws of inheritance or the value of property, property rights, or the value of human life, for that matter? The difference, the basis of our judicial system in this country, in the West, in fact, is that law that God gave on the mountaintop to Moses for the people of Israel and for human, the human race. It is the root of our Western judicial system, our ideas of justice. I don't think Moses understood all of that. I'm sure he probably didn't, the full impact of God's revelation. But there's no question, but this was transformational for human history. The people of Israel were to live under that law, and, and the rest of the world could watch them thrive under God's rule and be drawn to the Lord God Almighty. And Israel, in particular, had some rules that we don't follow through today. That's sometimes an argument you'll run into. Well, we don't stone our children at the city gate when they're rebellious. No, there are some things that don't carry through that were given to Israel by the Lord because they were a special people. He was going to live in their presence, so they had to build a tabernacle a certain way, right down to the length of the curtains that were to be used and all the rest of the details of that. And there was a sacrificial system, atonement for sin, and there were cleanliness rules. They had to pitch all their idols, because they had been chosen to be God's own people with whom he would dwell. Their world was turned upside down, but so was ours. The foundation was laid. Peter, James, and John had a transformational moment on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was transfigured. They were transformed. They'd been with Jesus for a while, maybe a year, maybe longer, and they'd heard him teach. They saw his amazing, tremendous miracles. And just a few days earlier, you might remember six days earlier, the scripture says, Peter had confessed Jesus as Lord, God, uh, God the Son, he said, you are God the Son, Son of the living God. But all of that, for all that, Jesus in their eyes was still a man, right? He, he was the son of God, but just a man. He was a miracle, miracle worker, but he was still a man you could argue with. You could contradict. You could try to persuade him. You could rebuke him. You remember Jesus? Peter did that just after he confessed Jesus as the, as the son of God. Uh, he, Jesus went on to explain right then that, that he would, had come to the earth to be, he'd be rejected by the Jews, and he would be killed. And then Peter rebuked him publicly to his face, said, no, 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 not, that's not you. You, you. you come here for victory. That's, you're the Messiah, the deliverer. It's this nonsense about dying. 
So Jesus, at that point to them, is rabbi and teacher, leader, but a man, a man you could argue with, a man you could convince, persuade, just as you would with anybody else. And the Mount of Transfiguration changed all that. Nothing would ever be the same, because here the three of them are given, and we are given, a revelation of the divinity of Jesus Christ. Here is God, if you can, this is a metaphor, one of my seminary professors used, God was lifting the veil just a little bit. He was thinning out the incarnation, the flesh of Jesus Christ, and letting shine through the glory of his divinity. Jesus' divinity shining forth. And it's more than that. He's, he's uh, bringing, he brings to Jesus, Elijah and Moses, Moses representing the law of God and Elijah the prophets, and they come to Jesus on the mount. They come to him. The lesser goes to the greater. They're honoring Jesus Christ as God the Son. The, the uh, disciples there saw this. And Jesus speaks with Elijah and Moses. Be interesting to overhear their conversation, wouldn't it? Wonder what they talked about. And then, if that's not enough for the disciples, God speaks. And he says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What's next? Listen to him. Listen to him. Don't rebuke him, (laughs) don't argue with him, don't try to change his mind. Listen, listen to him, and of course, obey what he says. Everything's changed. Now, you can check me on this, but if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have an account of the transfiguration. Look at those Gospels, and then look after the transfiguration, and see if you can find one instance, I couldn't, where the disciples dispute with Jesus, argue with him, much less rebuke him, challenge him, seek to persuade him. They didn't understand everything about his mission, and they did have questions now and then, for sure. But there's a change in how they deal with him. He's no longer just a man. He's God the Son, God incarnate. God has said this. Look, if you're listening to him, you're listening to me. He speaks for me. Listen to him. Never again do they treat him like a mere man. He had become to them, as Thomas would say later, my Lord and my God. And I hope you know, when Jesus is Lord, nothing is the same. Paul, the great apostle, had one of those transformational moments. You probably remember the story. He runs into the risen, ascended Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He's blinded by Christ's glory. Jesus speaks to him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's life was changed forever. He goes from being the persecutor, the killer of Christians, to the foremost apostle, evangelizing everywhere he goes, leading people to Christ, planting churches over the known world, and, uh, of course, writing almost half the books of the New Testament. And he ends up, in this letter to Philippians, the church at Philippi, saying that he counts everything, everything in his life as refuse. He says, a word there probably meaning dung, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whose sake 
I have gladly lost everything so I might gain Christ and remain in Christ. That's transformation. So, three lessons this morning, three pictures of God's transforming work. I hope you knew this already, that God is in the transformation business. That's what he's about. He always was, he always will be. In fact, I I would venture to say that God's not in any other business. His business in the human life is transformation. His plan is our utter and complete transformation. I know we don't usually go to him for that, do we? Don't we really go to the Lord and say, look, I've got this problem, will you help me with it? Maybe I'm the only one. Uh, But that's, I think, kind of the way we deal with him. And he's not really that interested in improving us with a tweak here or, or, or a tuck there. He's interested not in small adjustments. He's not planning to take what we've got or what we are and improve us a little. He wants transformation. Not so that we're improved, but so that we're new. We're a new creature. The old is gone. The sinful, selfish, self-focused is gone, and we are new. Someone who loves the Lord and loves others. He means to make us into little Peter and James and John who are submitted utterly and following Christ without question. We like to make us into Paul, that we are count nothing in our lives as a value aside from our relationship with him. In fact, he means to make us into little Christs, right? That's the goal of the Christian life, that we would become as Jesus, more and more as Jesus, like him, his character. And he will, if we'll let him. It takes a decision. There's a decision to make in there, a surrender of the will, being on our knees, that's always a good idea with the Lord, and say to him that I'm, I'm yours, do with me as you will, take my life. Somebody wrote that song, take my life and let it be, uh, consecrated Lord to thee, only we sing it, take my life and let me be. Um, at any rate, you know what I'm saying. Nothing will ever be the same. Now, I wish I could tell you that it was a one-shot deal. Sometimes you can come to church and get that feeling that it's a one-shot deal. I give my life to Christ, and I'm good to go now and forever. But I think in living life, we know better, don't we? We know that our transformation is sort of ongoing. It starts with a decision, absolutely essential decision to turn our lives over to him. But, and the Lord will start the process of reforming us. He needs our permission. He, he wants our permission to do that, but he will. Once we've made that decision, then there's a, that's not the last step. That's the first step in a path. That's something this church focuses on, the pathway of discipleship. You might have noticed Paul at the end of his, this passage in Philippians says to them, not that I've already attained this but perfection, but that I'm... I'm laying down everything I continue to seek him, that I might grow into Christ-likeness. It's not the first, it's the first step, it's not the last. So if you haven't made 
that first decision, if you're here today and this is news to you, I, I hope it's not, but if it is, then you got a decision to make, and I encourage you, don't wait. Might as well do it today. See me after the service. See Frank, Clive's here. Uh, a, a number of people in this room know how to talk to you and pray for you and with you to make that first step. So make the first step, and then I like to say, hang on for the ride of your life. <laughs> or as John Howe used to say, pray that prayer and then duck. <laughs> right? Because the Lord has a job to do in us. We give him a little and he'll take it all. You, you open the door of your heart just this far and he'll drive a Mack truck through that opening. Everything changes. It's, it's a step to glory. And if you're willing to stay on the ride, he will make us all into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Change from likeness, as our colleague said today, from glory to glory. And he won't quit. He won't quit until our transformation is complete. Pray with me, please. Lord God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love for us, for your unrelenting uh, seeking after us and drawing us to yourself. Give us hearts, Lord, I pray, by your Holy Spirit, hearts open to your transformational work, that we might love you more and serve you better. In Christ's name. Amen.